getting everything readjusted here because I decided to just get the pulpit down here and I hope you got some lights on me here. I don't want to be in the dark ever about anything except for, well, the only thing I want to be in the dark about is other people's sins, really. I thought of that. I don't really want to know uh, that. <laughs> I just want to be in the light when it comes to what Jesus has done for you. Amen. Amen. So come a little closer. You seem so far away. You know, this morning we were literally packed everywhere. Uh, but by the way, everybody stand up. Come on, stand up. Everybody move a little closer because it, I just need that cozy feeling so I can look at your face more clearly and uh, you aren't in the second row. Or you could come to the first. But, but, but let, let's get a little cozier here. Let's get a little bit. I'm kind of going to tilt this. So I'm kind of going to just kind of talk to you where you're at. Come on, come on. Some of there's some seats right there. Come, come on, a little bit, a little bit closer over here. Come on, move down this a little bit. Move down a little bit way here. That's that's good. That's good. Thank you so much for being cooperative with that. Uh, we had a great time this morning. How many were not here this morning? Well, you really missed something. It was the the actors had done such a great job. Our video team media team, the, everything from the lighting to the audio and all that was just really beautiful and uh, everybody was on cue and we had a, we were really, really, I think, I think it was our biggest crowd since we opened the new facility. It was, it was every seat was taken and uh, it, it looks like, uh, how many follow me on Facebook? You should be following me. Go to my public page because Pastor Nathan filmed about a 30 second segment. So I put it on my Facebook. You know, I have 154,000 followers. I'm going to soon have 200,000. And you come to my church and you're not even a follower. What am I going to do with you? I don't know how to, how to, how to uh, go to public, Peter Young and public page. Forget the other one because I hardly ever do anything on that one anyhow. But you can see all kinds of things. I, I, I think I got more followers from China than I have from Toronto's Elevation Church. I don't know. You, you need to just go and click. And don't just like the post because that doesn't count except for the post. You gotta like my page. Soon I'll have 200,000 people like my page. I'm heading for that real soon. So you gotta be on there because I, it's, it's getting big enough that I really put some thought into what I said, you know? And, and so yes, God bless Facebook. Facebook is really what the Toronto Star was 30 years ago, you know? Every Saturday the Toronto Star was, used to be full of ads, what's going on in the church world. I mean, who's ever heard about it? People don't even know what a newspaper is anymore. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's some antique thing, but uh, Facebook is there, and so we, we are on that. I can't bother, every, I'm, I think I'm on the other ones too, but I don't do much. So, so Facebook is what I'm going for, uh, and, and uh, yeah, all right. Now, yes, thrive, your time to thrive. Uh, Pastor Nathan's going to teach on that next week, and then I'm going to do another teaching on that. I'm going to do something I rarely do. I'm going to do 10 factors. I'm just going to list them. You better have your pen and paper two Sundays from now. I'm going to list them. 10 factors that limit our thriving. We're going to be very, very practical. And uh, you're going to learn a lot from that. But don't get excited about that because next Sunday is going to be an awesome time. And, uh, you know, be sure we're here to welcome people who are new in our church. I saw so many new people here on Good Friday. How many were here Good Friday, by the way? Wow, was it quiet. I shared some revelations some of you never heard before. That was a teaching. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, we had a great, it was a great crowd Good Friday as well. 
And so we've had a, a tremendous Easter weekend. But you're here, you're kind of now the, you're the guy that says that hold out to the very end, you know. So we're going to give you a good teaching today as well. And Pastor Nathan promised three things that most Christians don't know about the resurrection. So I actually added four because I figured some of you are so smart you know them all already. But at least if I do four instead of three, you have a, I could say something maybe a little different. So it's not that people don't know about it, but it's, it's some things that are rarely mentioned or emphasized. And so let's just lift our hand one more time and just thank God that he's blessing us and helping us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our helper. I thank you that this uh, teaching will be life-giving. I thank you that this teaching will produce help in our life and, and uh, that our eyes are ever more opened and that, that we grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We give you thanks. Amen. And so I didn't really get all the PowerPoints. I think I sent some of the scriptures to Jermaine, but uh, sometimes you have to just take my word for it that I'm reading the Bible. But some of them are going to be on the PowerPoint, but it won't be as good as it normally is. So we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and, and, and some things that might be overlooked. We look at it as a historical event. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus conquered death. But the first thing I'm going to tell you, that Jesus rose in a different form. In a different form. Now listen to this. Romans 1 uh, verse 3 to 4. Jesus Christ our Lord who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So here is a clear delineation between Jesus the Son of David according to the flesh before the resurrection and then Jesus after the resurrection declared to be the Son of God with power. Now think about this. If I say like this, before the resurrection, who do you have? You have Jesus, the carpenter's son. You have Jesus in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, you have uh, the seed of David, except in rare situations. Once in a while, you have this, this carpenter, Jesus, but once in a while, something happens, like on the mountain of transfiguration, and they see Jesus in this transcendent glory. And then he says, don't tell anybody till after I'm risen from the dead. In other words, I kind of gave you a little bit of a preview of what I'm going to be like after I rise from the dead, but don't tell anybody yet. And then, then it's back to the carpenter's son again. So you see that Jesus, according to the flesh, and you know, many people... They're very fascinated. Uh, how, what, what, you know, how, what did Jesus look like? What was his skin color? What was his eye color? And they try to depict him. That's so important to so many people. To me, it's not so important how Jesus looked according to the flesh, the, the, according to the son, the one who was the son of David. What's important is Jesus today, Jesus now. And it says like this in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, the latter part of this says that though we have known Christ according to the flesh, Yet we know him thus no more. Now see that they've got the real old King James, but I can able to translate it for you here. And so, so he's saying to the others who had seen Jesus when he was the son of David, uh, according to the flesh, it says, you, you know Jesus, you know his hair color, you know his eye color, you, you know what his nose looked like. And, and so you know him according to the flesh. But he says, now we don't know anybody that way anymore. We don't know even Jesus according to the flesh. We know him according to the Spirit. So what I'm saying to you, there's something different about Jesus once he's risen. Are you with me so far? So here's something interesting. In John 21, 4, 
it says about Jesus' disciples. It says, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. How is that possible? Seriously. They had walked three years with Jesus, and they didn't know it was Jesus? Believe me. If, if I was walking along the shore of Lake Ontario and saw Alex Montongo, I would know it was Alex Montongo. I wouldn't say, oh, there's Alex, but I don't know him. I don't know. No, I would know. I kind of know his, well, his hairstyle is kind of not much hair there, but well, there's a lot of hair, but it's kind of short. And so, that, you know, there's only, but I kind of I know. I kind of know. Many of you, I would know. I recognize you. I say, I, I know you. So how come they didn't know Jesus? Then it's even stranger. In, in John 21, 12, it says, Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Isn't that strange? On the one hand, they didn't dare to say, who are you? But yet they kind of they knew it's the Lord. This is the Lord, but, but who are you? You look, you look different. So there was something different about the resurrected Jesus. I'm not saying you didn't know this before. I'm just laying it out from the Bible. Look at it. Look, look, at, look at John 20, verse 14. This is speaking of Mary Magdalene. She turned around and saw Jesus standing there and didn't know it was Jesus. Now, we know that Mary Magdalene was closely acquainted with Jesus, closely associated with Jesus. So here she thinks that Jesus on resurrection morning is the gardener. And, and so... She saw him, but didn't recognize him. So what I'm saying to you, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about this, that there is a resurrection body, and there is a, there is a mortal body. There's a resurrection body. So Jesus appears differently. Have you ever thought about that? I find it so fascinating. See, I like to stop and think, for example, you know, it says that when Jesus was with the disciples, they ate fish. Now, this is going to be deep for Sunday afternoon. Are you ready for this here now? It's not going to be like super important, but it's kind of a fun little thing to throw in there. So Jesus ate fish, right? So what does the fish go? It goes into the digestive system. Now, how many know the fish did not have a resurrection body? It was just a regular old mortal fish from the Sea of Galilee, right? So then it says that when Jesus came to the disciples, we assume the fish is still digesting in Jesus' stomach because he ate fish, that Jesus walked through the wall. I'm wondering how the fish got through. Are you with me? I mean, he walked in his resurrection body right through the wall, right? But what happened to the fish? Did it fall on the other side of the wall? I, I don't know, but this is something for you to ask Jesus when you get to heaven, you know. I, I'm sure that God could have arranged for the fish to stay. It's just interesting because it's very clear that Jesus is in his resurrection body. One day you and I are going to have a resurrection body. See, see the, the, the fascinating thing about the resurrection is that it's not just Jesus' story, it's our story. You are going to have a resurrection body. And I will be looking at you saying, I think I know you. Is it you? Oh, yeah, it is you. You, you know, we recognize, but there's something different. And so... So what happens here in the view of this, Jesus manifests himself to people. It says like this, I don't know if I gave this to, to Jermaine, John 14. Jesus said like this in verse 19. You have to listen to me for this one. The world will see me no more. The world won't see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. And I will manifest myself to you. 
that there's something beautiful spiritual, call it metaphysical, call it what you want to, but Jesus appeared to people. And sometimes, like when he appeared to Saul of Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus saw Jesus, but the others didn't see him. Saul of Tarsus was taken to heaven. You may have heard this when we did our World Impact Ministries rally here a few weeks ago. I talked about this, that Simon, that, that Paul, the apostle, says, I was taken to heaven. I can't tell you, says, whether I was in the body or out of the body, but I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And so we're living in this post-resurrection era. We are, we are post, we are PR kind of people. Jesus is risen, and he appears to us by the Holy Spirit. Look at what Peter said here, 1 Peter 1, 8. He says, whom having not seen, you love. Though you now do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. You know, this, this is the amazing thing, that though we have not seen Jesus according to the flesh, Jesus, the son of David, we are all happy about Jesus. We have like this great joy. We're saying we love him. And an unbeliever would say, how can you love someone you've never seen? What's wrong with you, brother? How can you say you love the Lord? You know, because some say, oh, I love the Lord. And I know we can kind of say it in a, uh, you know, routine kind of way. But I'm not talking about that. I believe many of you here, maybe all of you, you say, I, I love the Lord. There's something so beautiful about Jesus. And yet in a person who has not been awakened spiritually would say, you have an imaginary friend. <laughs> well, for you I do, but not for me. And so it's, it's a marvel. How can you have this joy in, inexpressibly? How, how can you be so excited? Come on, is somebody here excited about Jesus? You haven't seen him, but you believe in him? Well, it's because he has been revealed to us. Something touched the deepest part of our soul are inside, and the Holy Spirit revealed Jesus to us. So, so the pre-resurrection Jesus, he was seen going into the boat and coming out of the boat, and he was seen doing this and doing that. But the post-resurrection Jesus, yes, he is there in a the physical body. You know, when Jesus, Jesus in heaven, you know what it says about Jesus in heaven? It says we have a mediator at the right hand of the Father, the man Christ Jesus. So Jesus is not a floating blob of some spirit being. He is, there's a physical resurrection body to Jesus. We have a mediator in heaven, the man Christ Jesus. Are you with me? So I'm not trying to say that he's not in, 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 a, in a bodily form, but he's a resurrection body. And so we meet him. Amen. And so that's how you become a Christian, in case you didn't know. You don't become a Christian by voting for Christian politicians, by repeating the four spiritual laws, as beautiful as they may be, <laughs> you, you become a Christian by Jesus making everything new inside of you. And you know that you belong to him. Amen. All right. So I want to tell you a second thing. Now. Second, are you with me so far? Even if you knew a little bit, maybe I'm kind of poking. Am I poking a little bit? Still, some of you are still worried about the fish. Well, don't worry about it. It's, it's uh, wherever it's gone now. And, and so Jesus rose as a prototype for all believers. He's not just the risen Jesus. He's our model. He's our prototype. Romans 8, 29, I don't think I gave you this, but it says there that Jesus might be the firstborn among many. Firstborn. Everybody say firstborn. firstborn. Well, we use the word prototype. It's a more modern word. Same thing. Colossians 1, 18, he is the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. 
So he is the first one. You know, if you look in, in car manufacturing, for example, if you manufacture a new car, well, they make build a prototype and they put it through crash tests and they, they do all kinds of things with that car, right, to see if it's good. And then they test it and they get different reviews in auto trader magazines type things. And the prototype takes all the hard hits. Now, they don't do that with every car that comes after the prototype. Once the prototype has passed the test, well then, you know, all the other cars are just made in the mold of that prototype. And so this helps us to understand Jesus overcame death, the devil, demons. Don't see yourself as such a demon fighter. Jesus has fought the devil for you. He is our forerunner. He is the firstborn. We walk in his victory. Praise God. And so here is the resurrection is deeply personal. I want to read this because I will just touch on it. Romans 6 verse 8. If we died with Christ, we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Everybody say, he dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, here's the key word. Everybody say, likewise. Likewise. You also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So here, the word likewise means that there is a similarity in how we are to view ourselves to how Jesus is. So what did we learn here? He, 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 he's been raised from the dead. He dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. That is a beautiful thing. You may feel down. You may feel discouraged. You may be full of your failure. But the truth of you, about you is this, that because of Christ, death has no more dominion over you. I don't think we've emphasized that enough. That, you know, death is very different. You heard me say this on Good Friday, and it's worth repeating. I said a lot of new things that many people haven't heard before. Like in the Jewish religion, in the Old Testament, there was no eternal life. There was only Sheol, the grave. I said, there's only Sheol. There was no going to heaven. Even today you can check with Jewish rabbis. There's no going to heaven in Judaism. That's that's that's, That's not there. You know, they say you, if you honor your mother and father, you live a long life and do this. But that's all you had. You had a long life, so hopefully you live very long. Because once it's over, it's over, buddy. You only have the grave waiting for you. Only the grave. And if you were a Sadducee, you didn't even believe in the resurrection. But if you were a Pharisee, you had the resurrection going for you. Someday when the Messiah comes, it could be thousands of years from now, then I'll be raised again. But up till that time, I'm in Sheol. I'm in... I'm in limbo land. <laughs> I, I'm not in a conscious state. And you remember the, well, while I'm at it here now, since I'm in a teaching mode of operation, you remember the Sadducee that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want to ask you something. This man married a woman, and then he died. And then she married another man, and then he died. And then she married another man, and he died. And then those smart Alex were saying, so Jesus, Whose woman will she be in the resurrection? Remember that story? <laughs> now, the funny part of that is not what we think is the funny part. The funny part is that the Sadducees didn't even believe in the resurrection. They weren't trying to argue. They were trying to show everybody, hey, believing in the resurrection, you see how ridiculous it is to believe in the resurrection. Let's just paint this imaginary scenario. 
you know, how are you going to divvy that up if there was a resurrection? So they didn't even believe in a resurrection. So that was the argument then of Jesus. He said, well, it's not going to be marrying and giving in marriage. You know Jesus' answer. Now I'm really off my topic here, but I, I'm, I'm landing it back again here in Romans uh, chapter 6. So domin- the death, death has no more dominion over you. And so that's the beautiful thing about our gospel is that we have an eternal conscious presence of God. When you die, you are absent from your body, but present with the Lord. This is a message that needs to be preached because people everywhere, Muslims, Hindus, Christians, Buddhists, everybody's afraid of death. But you know, none of us want to die. But if, if you do, and you will someday, it's not the end of the story. Can somebody say amen to that? You see, so death has no more dominion. It doesn't have that grip. doesn't have that sting over you. And then it says, he died once for all, but that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also. So many Christians, you know, they try to live in their past. They keep, he says, you died once, and now you live to, for Christ. Some Christians think, oh, I got to crucify myself. I got to crucify. No, the Bible never says you have to crucify yourself. The Bible says that you have been crucified with Christ. We don't teach suicide here, spiritual suicide, go and crucify yourself. We teach new life in Christ. Are you happy for that? That you don't have to beat yourself up, I'm trying to crucify myself, I'm trying to crucify myself. No, you used to reckon that it happened once. Now you live for Jesus. And so again, we, we want to remind people here, some people, you know, they never get over the past. It's just repeated again and again. If you keep digging up an old grave, it's going to stink. You keep, you bury somebody, leave them there for a month, and you dig them up again. Leave them for a week on the surface of the earth. Then you bury them, and then you dig them up again. It's going to stink. And that's what many Christians are doing. They're digging up their past, digging up their failures, and they let preachers dig it up for them. Oh, you know, this has saddened me, but I'm sure it's not true about anybody here, but I'll just throw it out anyhow. I have seen... So a preacher comes to town and he says, oh, some of you are struggling with things from your past. Please come forward so I can pray for you. Fifty people run forward. Okay, now we dealt with it. (laughs) Done. Three weeks later, three months later, another preacher comes to town. Oh, I feel the Spirit is showing me that some of you have things. Your same 50 people go forward again. (laughs) Oh, now they were laid hands on. They crawled on the floor. They did, oh, it's done now. Then... Four months later, someone else comes and tells a story about how terrible their life was and and maybe you've had a terrible life. And the same people go forward again and again. Now, if you want to do that, I suppose it could be some psychological lift in that. But it's not the gospel. The gospel is you have died once. But it says, reckon yourself dead. In other words, there is a temptation to dig it up again and again. So reckon yourself. Say, no, 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 I'm not going to have anybody pray for me again because I reckon it was done through what Jesus did. As much as I'm tempted to respond to that altar call about my past, no thank you. I will have a Tim Hortons dark roast instead. (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm not going to be drawn back to go over that again and again and again 
because I reckon myself that, oh, if you think I'm being bad saying this, please forgive me, but you know, honestly, I'm trying to help everybody. This is, you don't have to go over that again and again. Live the new life. Jesus died once and now he lives to God. You live to God. The big deal about you is not everything that you did wrong, but the big deal is that now you are living to God. Amen. Now, I'll give you something else. Number three, Jesus rose to model a natural, supernatural life. I find this so interesting. Uh, now, Jesus is in his glorified body. And so when Mary comes there to the garden, she thinks Jesus is the gardener. She doesn't think Jesus is the high priest. I mean, wouldn't that be more appropriate for the mighty Jesus? To look like the high priest with a big hat on? He's like the gardener. He's raking leaves. Are you seeing me? Jesus is, he says, oh, I think it's a prophet. Oh, I think he's a prophet. No, she didn't think it was a prophet. She thought he was a gardener. Everybody say gardener. I find that very fascinating because, you know, according to religion, Jesus should have had a big robe on the resurrected Jesus. He should have been floating through Jerusalem, kind of in an elevated cloud, shouting, Pontius Pilate, I got you now. You were wrong, buddy. I'm alive again. I'm back. Like a good Clint Eastwood movie or something. You know, Jesus, I'm back. I'm back again. No, 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 no. He's the gardener. Isn't that fascinating? The gardener. He's like, couldn't he show up as something better than a gardener? And then, in another resurrection account, there are some discouraged disciples on the road to Emmaus. You've heard we often refer to that because that's one of the most fundamental chapters, in my opinion, to understand the Bible, Luke 24. And Jesus appears beside them. But again, he doesn't come like, oh, I'm here, I'm risen, give me glory, praise me. No, he is a mere zealous brother. He's like a fellow believer who seems a little bit over-enthusiastic. And they say, oh, haven't you heard? We are so upset. We're so depressed. What's happened? He said, what? What's happened? He said, oh, it's me. I suffered a lot for you guys. Oh, you should have been. Oh, you should have. Oh, you may think it's bad. No, that's not. See, that's how religion will portray. He's just a zealous brother. And then, then they realize, you know, I won't go into it. How it was Jesus. But my point here is, he shows up as a gardener. He shows up as a zealous brother. Then you have a third account, the one I quoted earlier in John, where Jesus is barbecuing fish. I mean, what is more human than turning on your barbecue? Some of you are going to do that soon because it's spring. You're going to barbecue some burgers. Jesus burger, barbecued fish burgers. He had, he had some, some of St. Peter's fish. By the way, if you come with me to Israel, I'll let, we can have some of the straight descendants of St. Peter's fish. When we get to the Sea of Galilee, we get some straight descendants from that fish. Not the same fish Jesus ate, because, but the straight descendants. Are you with me? And, and, we will, um, and they keep upping the price for them all the time. But we'll try to squeeze one of those in. Um, by the way, please remind me, I'm going to tell you why you need to sign up for Israel right away, but I'll do that later on. And, and so he's there flipping fish. He's grilling fish. Again, it's such a non-religious revelation of Jesus. It's nothing like he's not there, standing in a booming voice, speaking. 
and the anointing is flowing like flames of fire out of his palms of his hands. He's there flipping burgers. See, to me, this is beautiful. This is something many people don't know about the resurrection, at least not practically, that there's this supernatural, natural life. Sometimes we think the supernatural is like something, you go crazy and you don't know, you can't stop myself, my hand is just flailing. I don't know what to do. Oh, that's really supernatural. Well, that's good for you if that happens to you. But you know what's more beautiful is if you can stand there flipping burgers. And your neighbor walks up to the fence and, and, and the presence of Jesus is flowing through you. That, that's much more anointing than kicking your feet in church. And, and you know, it, it, it's, it's not this mystic Christ. It is, it is Christ right where people are at. Hallelujah. And so th this is the resurrection life. You know, sometimes I think, I will tell you this, I think we, we, we don't have enough resurrection in church. We have too much suffering, too much, you know, being grumpy and sad. We need more resurrection. We need much more resurrection. I know it's, it's the same, same thing on Facebook every Easter. Every Easter is the same thing. For every time that there is something about the resurrection, there's at least 10 posts about the crucifixion. Why are we more... Well, what more? I mean, the crucifixion, honestly, without the resurrection, is nothing. You, you know, about 70 years before Christ, there were 6,000 people crucified every 30 feet, every 10 meters. One of the slaves from Spartacus' army, every 10 meters, there was a cross raised and another slave was crucified. So the cross in itself is... Uh, not something beautiful. It's what Jesus did there that makes it beautiful. But what Jesus did there is validated by the resurrection. Amen. I'll, I'll show you something more. I want to go to the fourth point because it ties in with this. Jesus' resurrection is the foundation for real faith. Now, this is not on your PowerPoint, but I'll read it to you. Let me say it again. Jesus' resurrection is the foundation for real faith. Our faith today is different than the faith of the Old Testament champions. In Hebrews 11, you have, you know, Abel had faith, Noah had faith, David had faith, Abraham, Sarah, uh, Jacob, Joseph, you know, all of them are there as people of faith. But it says all of those did not receive the promise. So I don't know if you want to hang out with that group who did not receive the promise. It's up to you. I mean, I used to teach a whole course on those. I taught for 18 hours about those champions and try to imitate them, and then I found out they didn't receive the promise. Maybe I shouldn't be giving so much attention to those. Come on, are you with me now? All these preachers preaching about the great hall of fame, Hebrews chapter 11, all the heroes of faith. Read verse 39. They did not receive the promise. Oh, you said, now I see it. I haven't received the promise either. <laughs> You've been hanging out with the wrong crowd. <laughs> but then it says, after it says they didn't receive the promise, it says, God has reserved something better for us. Oh, I wish we could see this. And really it's sinking. You have something better than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
You have something better than David and Elijah and Elisha. You have something better than all the heroes listed in Hebrews 11. We honor them. Uh, they, they, they held on to the promise. Uh, even though they didn't see it. It seemed like all hope was gone. They held on. We honor them for that. But we're not holding on like they're holding on. We're not looking for the promise to be fulfilled. Let me tell you, if you're looking for the promise to be fulfilled, I don't care how many times we sing standing on the promises, I'm not standing on any promises at all. Whew, that went over well. I'm not. I'm not standing waiting for the promise to come through. I'm not holding on to the promises like to a rope. The promise has been fulfilled. The promise of the Father has come. What promise are we talking about? We're not talking about your ingrown toenail or the pain you have in your back. We're talking about the promise of the Father. And of course, you have healing for your ingrown toenail in that promise, but the promise of the Father has been fulfilled through Jesus. And, and so our faith is not like their faith. God has something better for us. So it says, in Romans 10 again, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Now, you couldn't do that. Until Jesus was raised from the dead, you couldn't believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Are you with me? He had to rise from the dead first. That's why Abraham, in the Old Testament, in the Jewish Scriptures, is our best example of faith. Because it says about Abraham, when he comes to Isaac, his son, he said, I believe God can raise Isaac from the dead. Because God called things that be not as though they were. God calls the dead alive. Nobody got that close in the Jewish scriptures to gospel New Testament faith as Abraham. That's why he's kind of the guy who said, well, they, 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 that guy got close. But, but, but we are even closer because now Jesus is risen. Are you with me? And so again, people say, why did Jesus come? Why? Oh, he came to die on the cross. That is, I must say, it, it is a, an answer that vastly minimizes really what should be given. 1 Peter 1, 3, I think we have that. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Everybody say, through the resurrection. Now, begotten again is just like an old King James way of saying we've been born again. Everybody say, begotten again. We've been born again. How? By the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And I say, many Christians don't know that. They think they're born again by what happened at the cross. You're not. What happened on the cross is very important. It's very necessary. Jesus' blood being shed. But that's not how you're born again. Okay. Some of you look a little resistant to that thought, so I'll just pile on more evidence. You know, you can just keep me going all night. We can go, for example, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul says, if Jesus is not risen, you are still in your sins. If Jesus is risen, not risen, if he's not alive, if the resurrection isn't real, you are still in your sin. You say, well, what about the cross? Yeah, even with the cross. Well, what about, what about all my repentances? Yeah, even with all your repentances. Well, what about, what about, yeah, what about? If he's not risen, he, Paul says we are the most miserable of people because we're carrying on this religion, talking about how he died, and we're trying to believe that, but we're not even saved. We have no hope. Our hope is in the resurrection. Somebody found it there. And if Christ is not risen, we may as well quit preaching. It says in an adjacent verse that our, 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 our faith is empty. 
So, so I'm not taking, you know I'm not taking away from the cross, but I'm saying there is probably 10 entries on Facebook for the cross for every one entry on the resurrection. I don't know why we Christians are so preoccupied with the suffering part. Yes, the suffering part is real. And while we people ask, why did Jesus came? He came to die on the cross. No, he came to defeat death, and that happened on Resurrection Sunday. And the cross was a way there. The cross was not the end point. It was necessary. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It shows God's love, but it's not the end point. So I would say, to, when you talk to people, talk a lot more resurrection. We need a lot more joy, a lot more laughter, a lot less, you know, all these tears and pining and whining. We need resurrection life. You, you know, there's a repentance from dead works, it says in Acts 11, and a repentance to life. We repent to life. We change our mind to life. The beautiful thing that we have is life. Because he lives, we face tomorrow. So if I, in everything, when it comes to healing, everything, it's the resurrection. Let me just read one more verse here from Acts 3, where you have the famous account of Simon Peter ministering healing to the man who was sick for 40 years. And he said in that context, the prince of life, the prince of life, not the prince of death, not the prince of the cross, the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead. <laughs> yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So it's the resurrection life. Yeah, I know Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He says, bruised for our iniquities, and by his stripes we were healed. But all that, it's beautiful. We preach that. But friends, all I'm saying is we need to shift a little more weight onto the resurrection side. I don't know why this has happened. I think it's over the centuries. Because I, what I do, can I talk to you just really freely here? We're Sunday morning. I mean, Sunday afternoons so is kind of the, the people who can handle a lot. I have spent the last 15 years trying to study very much. I don't read modern authors. All the people you read in the Christian bookstore, I couldn't be interested in the least. I, I mean that sincerely. There's very few books that you buy in a Christian bookstore that I would even be interested in. Somebody came and gave me a book a few weeks ago. I said, please, brother, give this to somebody else. I can teach the author more than he ever wrote in that book. <laughs> you know, I'm not that interested. I like to study what, what did they think back 100 years after Christ? What did they preach? 200 years after Christ. What, what did they teach? And, and you have to kind of dig a little bit. That, that's where I'm studying. But I hope you buy my book. <laughs> just, just playing with you. Are you with me? But I'm just saying, people, have you read this? No, I haven't. I don't have time. Oh, you like to have this book? I don't have time. Because that's where I'm spending my time. I, I love to dig up. What were those early? What did Polycarp and Irenaeus and, and Athanasius? And what, what did all these people, how were they talking? How they were looking at it? And they were dealing with the same stuff we're dealing with. So, 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 so uh, plus, you know, that way when I preach, I don't sound like everybody else. That went over good. <laughs> I'm just saying things that make you sit like you are not right. You're looking at me like this. Uh, because the, these are the guys, I'm not, I'm not coming up with my own ideas, but I study people who were before the great church father Augustine, who I don't think was so great actually. But anyhow, I study the people who were before him. How did they look at it? How did they look at what happened on the cross and the resurrection? And I'm saying something has happened over the centuries, and we are just a product of our time. 
that, that we don't want to take away from the cross, but we have taken away from the resurrection. We have made it kind of like it's just the, the cherry on the ice cream sundae. And it's like it's just the last little thing. No, it is the big thing. He is alive. And he's giving me his life. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And I reckon myself alive. Amen. It's okay. Now I'm going to wrap this up here because we've had a long day. Are you, still, are you still here with me? Am I giving you something to think about? That's what I promised to give you something to think about. You've you got to give me a shout now unless I'm boring you here to tears. Are you still here? Are you okay? And so, you know, if, if you read the epistles again, it's so much about this life. We have this life in earthen vessels. We, we're just earthen vessels, but we, we draw on this life in us. So number one, we draw on this resurrection life for ourselves. Like, I need this for me. You need it for you. So this is not just ministering to everybody else and we're going to be used of God and all that. It's for us. I need to remind, be reminded. And sometimes, I guess I remind myself, sometimes maybe the Holy Spirit has to remind me of this new life of Christ that is in me. His wisdom is in me. So you draw that for yourself. Then you give it to others. So you have resurrection life in you. Say, I have resurrection life. Well, that was too feeble. I know it's Sunday afternoon. You're tired and you just had lunch and you're sleepy, but say it with some strength. I have resurrection life. So, so you can share it with others. For example, the idea of laying hands on people, praying for people, is that when you lay hands on people and pray for them, the life that's in you should flow to them. That's the idea. You have life from Christ in you and you pray for them. Now, sometimes what we Christians do, we just pray for one another all the time. I mean, that's nice. It's like, I want to prophesy over you, Alex. Oh, you're anointed. And he says, oh, I want to prophesy over you, Peter. You're anointed too. I mean, we can kind of stand here and kind of scratch one another's backs. And say, oh, I've, I feel the anointing on you. Oh, he says, I feel the anointing on you too, Pastor Peter. Oh, oh, I feel a, there's a light. There's an aura. Oh, I see a light over your head too. Oh, we can stand here and kind of juice it up, you know, kind of have a, have a good time and just kind of see great things in one another. And that's nice. <laughs> I mean, not that nice, but it is a little bit nice, <laughs> you know. But the idea is that you have this resurrection life that has been made alive in you. You've been awakened to it and you share it with others. That's why Jesus even said like this, when you go into a house, you, you, here you come. A person with new life. You come into a house. You don't like look like like Grumpy George. You 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 look like or Georgina, whatever. You, you come in there and you say peace to this house. You don't say it like that. You say, hey, good to see everybody. Peace. You come with peace. And he says, the peace will spread in the whole house. That's the kind of influencer you are. Say, I'm an influencer. I'm an influencer. So so if, if you have a house, the cats are fighting, the cat and the dog are fighting, the dog is barking, kids are screaming, mother is pulling her hair out, there's three weeks of dishes on the counter, and there's dirt everywhere, there's, in, every, in every little corner there's, there's rat things and mouse things, and you don't know what is there, and, and cat hairs are coming out of the, uh, the pecan pie sticking out that they're serving you, and here you walk in, a nice little church member from TICC, and you walk into this chaos, isn't that beautiful? You, 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 that, that, that's, that's life. 
said, oh, I hate this. I hate going. I hate going there. I hate this. Why do you hate it so much? You have peace in you. So I'm trying to alert you to the resurrection life. The reason I said that thing about the cat hairs, because when I first moved to America, it sounds like a movie, but I moved to America. I didn't have any family here. So some guy from northern Maine invited me to come to his house for Christmas. It was the worst Christmas of my life. I mean, I've never been to such a bad Christmas in my whole life. They took down the Christmas tree before 9 a.m. Christmas morning. I didn't even see it. It went up and it went down. And literally, they had so many cats in the house. that I, I'm telling you, every piece of food had cat hair sticking out. I, I, I don't know. I, I wish I had had this teaching before I went there because uh, I, I, I just... The Lord led me away in a few days. But it was, so that's why I can see the cat hairs popping out of the pie. You know, I can see it when I'm saying it. That's where I get these associations from. But I'm saying, so maybe that's not in Toronto. But you walk in there, you have resurrection life. And you say, peace, peace, peace. That's why you can pray for somebody. You can say to someone, hey, can I pray with you? Maybe they're not a believer. But if you say it nicely, they're like, ah, you know, you come like the gardener. You don't come like I'm the high priestess of prophecy in Toronto. No, you come like the gardener. You come like the guy flipping fish burgers. You kind of have a soft approach. And you say, oh, can I pray with you? He says, sure, sure. And then life, resurrection life. Oh, I'm getting myself all blessed just thinking about this here. I have no idea. I forgot my watch at home. I have no idea what I'm doing all day. I don't know what time it is because there's timers up here. I can't even see it. Are we doing any good? Amen. Okay, here we are. We're doing really good. I'm doing really good. I should go for another hour. I get encouraged looking at his clock. No, I'm not going to do that. We've had a long time. No, you didn't even look frightened. Thank you so much. I'm very kind of you to look so happy that when I said that, I know you're being courteous to me. But this is reality. This is so beautiful. You, you have this life. Come on, lift up your hand with me. Would you say, I have this life. I have this treasure in this earthen vessel. Say, I may be earthen. I may be fragile. But I have treasure in me. That the life is not of me. But it is of God. Hallelujah. Oh, let's practice this. This cannot be a service where I'm praying for the sick. This has got to be a service where you pray. I know most people here are believers, but okay, you can practice on another believer. Just to, This is just practice time for when you get out there to meet some good Torontonian atheist. You can just practice here. So we can, everybody stand up right now. And so let me ask you, how many need to be healed by Jesus? Lift up your hand. If you need to be healed, lift your hand way up high. Okay. I'm not going to call you forward. How many have another prayer request where you need help? You want someone to believe with you. Okay, let's lift a hand for that. Okay, I need some more prospects here. You know, we don't want to, we, 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 okay, if you need Jesus to heal you, lift your hand. Okay, I want every one of you who don't have your hand raised, I want you to go and find someone and begin to lay hands on them. Do, do it nicely. Like don't, you know, just do it nicely. Don't push them or, or, or hit them in the head. But just begin to minister the life of Jesus. Just begin to pray. Open your mouth and pray. I'll, I'll pray a little bit from up here, but I want you to get started. Anybody else need someone to lay hands on you? You have resurrection life in you. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and just lay hands. Come on, Alex. You, you go down there. By, that's right. Just, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this life that's in us. 
It's not in an earthen, in this, in this earthen, this fragile vessel. I thank you for this life that is of God. I thank you for this resurrection life. I thank you that resurrection life. It brings healing. It brings joy. It has wisdom in it. We receive it now. I thank you, Jesus. Oh, I give you praise. There's none like you, Lord Jesus. I give you praise. I thank you, Lord, for this life of God that's flowing in people right now. Thank you that this is a reality. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Oh, just take another 30 seconds and just pray. Go ahead and pray right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the life of God. In the middle of the chaos, in the middle of that uncertainty, in the middle of that awful, awful, awful reality, that awful situation, you have the life of Christ in you. You have the life of Christ in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now look at me for a moment. Here's what I had an impression. Maybe while we are praying right now, in your head, in your mind, you see a situation that you face in your life. Maybe at home, at work. And, and, and we're, we're practicing right now. So think about that situation where you approach it, when you walk into that chaotic situation. Think, don't just react the way they normally would when discussed, but, but think, Jesus, you are my wisdom. Thank you for resurrection life now. Be conscious of Jesus. And I think you're going to see, you're going to deal with it maybe differently. Things will happen. Every head bowed right now. We have seen so many people on Friday night and this morning again. Many people have just said, I want to receive this new life from Jesus. Jesus died for you, took your shame, your guilt, your sin. The cross is awesome. And then he did what was necessary to make it effective. He rose again. He conquered death. And our opportunity is to receive the new life in Christ. So while every head is bowed, if you have not received that new life or things have happened that you are not certain where you're at as far as that is concerned, I wouldn't want to miss out this afternoon on giving you an opportunity just like we did in all the other services, we prayed this, this powerful prayer of receiving the new life in Jesus. If you would like to receive it while every head is bowed, lift your hand way up high. Say, I want to receive the assurance that my sins are forgiven. Lift it up way up high so I can just see. I, so I know that you're lifting it not just as a, all right, beautiful. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Somebody back here, God bless you. God bless you so much. Thank you for having the courage and boldness. That is so powerful. That is so powerful. Vera, would you mind moving over here towards that nice lady right over there? Just pray with her. This is so beautiful. Let's all just say, thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on, say it strong. Thank you, Jesus, for your life in me. Now, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to practice this. Some of you look at me like I said, well, that man has no trouble at all. I got lots of trouble. Lots of things. And the more, can I say, the more we do for the gospel, Pastor Nathan and I work together, not just here, but the more you do, the more trouble you get. <laughs> the more doors that God opens for you, the more trouble you have. 
there's always some crooked thing that comes to come in that you have to deal with. So you need the life of Christ. Amen. Are you encouraged today? You may be seated right now. Give Jesus a big hand and then sit down. I wanted to tell you this. I feel good myself. I preach myself happy. I'm feeling so happy. I got to tell somebody how good I did this afternoon. I feel like I don't care how big the crowd was. I had a good time preaching this afternoon. I had a good time. At least I'm enjoying my own teaching. You know, it's nothing worse than listening to a preacher who can't stand himself. You know, that's kind of, then you, you, you do. if he's depressed, you might as well go, go, go and drown yourself too, you know. But this is reality. I, I just need to be strengthened in this all the time. Now, we are going to Israel in November. And uh, last time I looked was a week ago. We, we are really getting I just had in one day, I think there were just a whole bunch of people from the United States that are joining in, that sent in their deposit. We have people from across the country. And you still have a few months. Now, the price, I, I want to say what we're doing, I, I, I just take an extra moment. Like you're going to get one extra night in Israel over the normal because I negotiated with, I don't like, we usually leave Israel at midnight and you fly all night and are miserable. So we leave the next day. So you get a full more day, which means a full more night for the same 10-day tour. And now they tell me the prices are going up on the 1st of May. And so at least if you can make your deposit by then, we can hold your seat. And so I'd really love for you to come. We have a great time. We go everywhere almost. Well, everywhere. That's, nobody can do that in Israel. But we go, we, we travel through Jerusalem, uh, all the different sites, the Pool of Bethesda, the Garden Tomb. We go the Via Dolorosa. We go everywhere. We go to Bethlehem. We go to Sea of Galilee. We take you on a boat trip. You can walk on the water as much as you want. And, and just back and forth there. And... Uh, and we eat fish there, and we go to the country of the Gadarenes, and we go to Bethsaida, and we go to the oldest synagogue, the one synagogue, there's only one synagogue, only one, that still has some of it standing that is believed that Jesus was in. They just uncovered it in the little town of Magdala, which is just by the Sea of Galilee. We'll take you there. We'll take you to the one in Capernaum. Uh, we, we'll, we'll have a, a, a great time. That's the town where Mary Magdalene was from. We'll take you to Armageddon so you can meditate there. And we'll take you to where, where Solomon kept his horses. And, and uh, you can just walk there where he walked with his thousand wives. I, I don't know. It, it just, it's just too much to think about. Uh, but you can kind of uh, walk there. I don't, some of you just got ideas. Stop that. I rebuke that. Uh, we, we thank God we're not living in that day. Amen. Um, so I'm just saying we'll, we'll take you to all those places and we'll study. We'll be on Mount Carmel where the fire fell. We'll be there and you can still see the burn marks and we'll, we'll, well not quite, but, but anyhow, uh, we will, what, where else do we go? We just go everywhere. We, we just see everything. We'll, just as soon as we land, we, we, on the way to Jerusalem, we'll go right across the place where uh, Joshua prayed for the sun and the moon to stand still and, and, um, I think Samson's jawbone is there somewhere lying on the road. We'll pick that up for you. And we will uh, go to Jaffa, you know, where uh, we do that on the way, just when we land. We go to Jaffa where, where Simon Peter had the vision on the rooftop. We'll take you right to that place there. You can kind of, you know, you'll probably be so tired from traveling that you'll have a vision for sure. I can't promise what it is, but we'll have a great time. And then we'll go shopping with you. Amen. And you'll walk around there with all the Jewish 
young 18-year-old army kids, you know, look like little kids walking around with their Uzi machine guns, having a latte or an espresso, and you'll say, are they going to shoot me? Don't worry. You'll be very safe. All right, so we'll do all that. And um, first tour I ever took, one man was convinced that he had purchased downtown Jerusalem, the high priest's original robe. He came back all excited. Says, it's a man from Saskatchewan. He said, I just bought Aaron's robe, the original one. And he told me a phenomenal amount he had paid. And I didn't have heart to tell him that it probably wasn't Aaron's original robe that you bought. It was probably a replica, you know. But uh, he had paid so much money. We'll help you to not do that. But you may want to get the replica at a good price. Are you with me all right? You know, because everybody's looking for a dollar. It's a, uh, you know, we go to the Mount of Olives. Oh, that is so beautiful. And uh, you can be there in the Garden of Gethsemane and everything, everything. So uh, do we still have that? Did I do all? Maria, where is Maria Mladenov? She's heading out there right now. Make sure everybody, you leave your name so we can make sure that you get the chance, but you still have time to join that, so it's going to be great. Amen. That was the best plug I've ever done for Israel, I think. That's the best plug I've ever done, and I did it on a Sunday afternoon. How many feel like you would like to come? How many absolutely don't want to come? Okay, how many want to come? Come on, let me see. Yeah, I'm not, you're not committing. Don't worry, I'm not taking a deposit right now, but you would like to come. So take a look at that, and I think you'll enjoy it. But what a great time we've had today. Let's just stand for a moment, and Father, I want to thank you so much. Thank you for these who have responded to your grace today, for those who heard the gospel. Maybe they've never heard anything like it this morning, and they got a seed sown. And I thank you, Lord, for the beautiful people in this church who participated in making it happen. All those actors who stage hands and others who helped out in various things who kind of skipped their normal Easter activities and just thank you for blessing upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's give the Lord a big praise. And uh, are you going to come and sing for us? Yeah, you better come up here. We have to. Oh. You, you, the, which video is that? Oh, okay, we have, the, we have this morning. Look at this 40 second clip. You can see it on my Facebook because Pastor Nathan sent it to me. So let's run that clip there. That's from this morning, just a few hours ago. Thank you that Jesus came, identified with me, took my guilt and shame, and conquered death. Thank you that I have eternal life because of Jesus. And I changed my mind. I don't want to think that I can save myself. But I received this gift of the forgiveness of sins and new life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So that was this morning. Give the Lord praise. And then we called. Many people came forward when we invited them to come, and, and we were counseling with them. And I noticed that Vera was still in the same place this morning as she is this afternoon. So some people keep their locations very straight here. God bless you. Let's go rejoicing. Next Sunday is coming, and you'll enjoy it. God bless you. Amen.